represents an epochal reversal in the story of global development, which for decades prior to the Great Recession was a tale of more. More people, more borrowing, and more goods crossing borders. To understand why the plot took such an unexpected turn, it's helpful to consider the roots of each trend. Depopulation was already underway prior to the economic meltdown. During the post-war baby boom, the annual rate of growth in the global population of working-age people nearly doubled, from 1% in the mid-1950s to over 2% by 1980. This directly boosted economic growth, which is a simple function of how many people are joining the workforce and how rapidly their productivity is increasing. By the 1980s, however, signs that the boom would fade had begun to appear, as women in many countries began to bear fewer children in part because of the spread of contraception. As a result, the annual growth rate of global working-age populations started to fall in stages, with a sharp drop after 2005. By 2016, it had dropped all the way back to just 1%. In the United States, growth in the working-age population declined from 1.2% in the early years of this century to just 0.3% in 2016, the lowest rate since the UN began recording this statistic in 1951. The UN now predicts that worldwide population growth rates will continue to decline through 2025 and beyond. Such long-term forecasts, which are based on a relatively simple combination of birth and death rates, have an excellent track record. And the economic implications of that trend are clear. Every percentage point decline in working-age population growth shaves an equally large chunk off the GDP growth rate. In the 1950s and 1960s, the baby boom provided a massive boost to the global economy, as did increases in productivity rooted in large measure in technological advances. As productivity growth slowed in the subsequent decades, however, easy money started to take its place as an economic spur. Beginning in the early 1980s, central banks began to win the war on inflation, which allowed them to lower interest rates dramatically. Until that point, borrowing and economic growth had moved in tandem, as is the norm in a capitalist system. For decades, global debt had grown in line with global GDP. But as falling interest rates lowered the cost of borrowing to near zero, debt surged from 100% of global GDP in the late 1980s to 300% by 2008. Although some of this borrowed money was wasted on speculation, much of it went to fuel business activity and economic growth. Then came the global financial crisis. Regulations issued in its wake limited the risks that U.S. and European banks could take both in their domestic markets and overseas. In 2008, global capital flows, which are dominated by bank loans, stood at 16% of global GDP. Today, those flows hover at around 2% of global GDP, back to where they were in the early 1980s. Meanwhile, many private borrowers and lenders have been paralyzed by debt phobia, which has prevented new lending despite the fact that interest rates are at record lows. The only country where borrowing has continued to grow rapidly is China, which did not develop a fear of debt because it remained insulated from the financial crisis in 2008. But globally, since interest rates can hardly drop any further, a new debt boom is extremely unlikely. Globalization is not likely to revive quickly either. The last time that cross-border flows of money and people slowed down was in 1914, at the onset of World War I. It took three decades for that decline to hit bottom, and then another three decades for flows to recover their pre-war peaks. Then, in the early 1980s, many countries began to open their borders, and for the next three decades, the volume of cross-border trade doubled.
from the equivalent of 30% of global GDP in 1980 to 60% in 2008. For many countries, export industries were by far the fastest growing sector, lifting the overall growth rate of the economy. In the wake of the recession, however, consumers have cut back on spending and governments have started erecting barriers to goods and services from overseas. Since 2008, according to the Center for Economic Policy Research's Global Trade Alert, the world's major economies have imposed more than 6,000 barriers to protect themselves from foreign competition, including stealth measures designed to dodge trade agreements. Partly as a result of such policies, international trade has fallen back to the equivalent of 55% of global GDP. This trend is likely to continue as populists opposed to globalization move to further restrict the movement of goods and people. Witness, for example, one of Trump's first moves in office, killing the Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP, a 12-nation deal.